It's the Stinking Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in to Stinking Truth Podcast uh, for Mike Evans. I am Mark Schlereth, Scott the Hub, producing the show. Want to thank uh, the great folks over at Superbook for America's Best Bet. Check them out at Superbook. Also, Monarch Meds. Uh, I tell you what, check out the Relief Cream and the Relief Spray. Uh, it's a company that I am not only working with, but uh, I have a little bit of ownership stake in, and they're doing it. Great things in the CBD industry, so you want to check out these uh, relief products. Go into monarchmeds.com, check out the relief products, type in my name, Stink, S-T-I-N-K, and get 20% off plus uh, free shipping. So check that out, and um, that is monarchmeds.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? I am good. Kind of stunned like a lot of people are that J.J. Watt ended up with Arizona. Nobody, and I mean nobody had Arizona. On the list of what you know, the five, six, seven teams that he might land. I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of people out there on social media say, "Hey, you know, congratulations, JJ Watt, but you're not sniffing a Super Bowl in the next two years." Like that's been the that's pretty much been the standard kind of view of of JJ Watt. But then I hear people say, "Well, it was just a money grab, a money grab." I, I understand that he had better offers from. Teams like Tennessee, teams like Indianapolis, teams like, uh, oh gosh, there was one more team on there. Oh, Cleveland. But he chose Arizona. And so my question to you would be, where do you think you have a better chance to to be a playoff contending team? Do you think you have it in Arizona or one of those three teams that I mentioned, either Indianapolis, Cleveland, or, or Tennessee? Yeah, you know, when you put it that way... Um, Although I would I would say, you know, if you're a team like Arizona, first of all, you gotta you gotta navigate your way through that that snake pit that's just your own division. Never Co- mind getting through your your conference. Correct. Correct. But listen, if you come out of that division, even if you're ten and six and you're a wild card team, I mean, we used to say this all the time when Joe Gibbs was coaching me in Washington. Because the NFC East, as you remember back then, the NFC East was just, you know, I mean, they were a dominant division, right? Winning Super Bowls. And he used to say it all the time. Hey, man, you win in this division, you're battle-tested. Like, you win in this, even if you're not the number one seed or whatever, you're in this division, you're battle-tested, man. Like, you're calloused. And I would say that if you can win in that division, remember, they were 8-8 eight and eight last year. They lost Chandler Jones, who's the best like he's the number one sack leader in the last what decade or whatever. I think JJ Watt's number two and Vaughn Miller's number three, something like that. I don't have the stats in front of me, but it, I, it, it, I mean, it's the last eight years, whatever it is. So all of a sudden, you get Chandler Jones back, and you have JJ Watt on the other side. I mean, that dramatically improves your defense. You've got some young defensive players. Remember, they went out and got that that kid out of uh, oh, who's a linebacker safety Simmons or whatever, right? I mean, they got him. They got. I mean, they've got some players now. So this is a sleeping giant, Arizona. Well, I think that's. I think you have to. If you're JJ Watt and you're saying, okay, like if I'm looking at the quarterbacks, who's got the highest ceiling out of that? What I just what I just said. If, if you because know, we all thought that, hey man, just write your ticket to Kansas City and go win yourself a championship, or you know, to Green Bay or whatever. But if those teams aren't in the mix, like if they're not offering you a deal, if they've got more salary cap issues than maybe the other teams do, and you're looking at, because the reports were he turned down more money to go to Tennessee or to go to Indianapolis, if you're looking at those rosters 
and you're saying from a just a pure quarterback position standpoint, who gives me the highest ceiling? Is it Tannehill? Is it Baker Mayfield? Is it uh, in Indianapolis? Is Carson it Wentz. Carson Wentz? <laughs> right, right. Or is it is it Kyler Murray? Well, when you're talking about that group of teams and quarterbacks, yeah, I, I can I can see why he chose it. I, I get that those other teams, the real serious contenders, probably didn't have the kind of wherewithal to offer the kind of deal that those other teams did. But I don't know. There's something to the idea that if you really are consumed with capping off this this Hall of Fame career with a with a Super Bowl, you could have taken less. I'm sure you he could have taken a lot less, and some of those other teams would have been like, yeah, okay, we can make that work. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you can't tell me that these teams had no interest in J.J. Watt. Now, they had interest in Watt at a certain price, but Watt was in a position to be able to go somewhere else where, you know, you can sell the idea that you're going to a contender, but you're certainly getting paid a whole lot more, too. Yeah, I also wonder, I also wonder about just J.J. Watt and, you know, recently married, I believe his wife is a big time soccer player she athlete, is a right? Soccer player, yeah. Um, and so, like, where can she go where she can train all year, right? During the football season, I mean, she's working out all the time. I know she's a beast when it comes to working out. He posts workout videos yeah. of the two of them. Can't I mean, go wrong with Arizona, right? I mean, Arizona, you can train all year round. I mean, it's it's probably best for her career. Um, and and I think he's a thoughtful enough guy. You th- see all the philanthropic things he's done sure. over the course of his career. He's a thoughtful enough guy to know that, hey, man, I got married. This is not just about me anymore. This is about us. And, you know, does this does this place give me a chance to compete in the playoffs? Yes. Do I have a good friend there in DeAndre Hopkins? Yes. Um, do they have a, a quarterback with a ton of upside? Yes. Could we make the you know the tandem of the best sackers in football between me and 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 Chandler Jones? Yes, like there's a it does check a lot of boxes, Mike. I will I'll tell you the other thing that's interesting to me is you know Steve Kime is the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals. He's a buddy of mine, um, a guy that I communicate with during the season, and he's a good dude. And he he will be the first. He's one of those guys, he's one of those guys that I love like. Guys like him and Jason Light, and there's certain general managers that you develop a relationship with that just understand, like, understand how the game works. Like, from 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 my perspective, I'm going to praise you if you're great. If you suck, I'm going to rip your ass, right? And that's the way it should be. And for a guy like Steve Kime, he understands. Listen, man, I drafted Josh you know, I drafted Josh Rosen. Um, he took a dump in his helmet, right? He was no good. I fired a coach after one year in Steve Wilkes, and I completely went a different direction in drafting Kyler Murray and, and signing Kingsbury to be that coach, to implement that sort of offense. And ultimately for Steve, if you don't make the playoffs, and I mean, if you don't make them this year, you know you're getting fired. Yeah, and he's it, like Steve is a very realistic guy when it comes to stuff like that. So he understands, man. I rolled the dice. Here's where we are right now, and uh, it's time to put up or shut well, up. Well, and you know when you step back and look at it, am I or we perhaps guilty of overrating now the NFC West? 
mean, look at all the unknowns right now. You, you got Matthew Stafford now with the Rams. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, I, I don't think Russell Wilson's going anywhere, but there's still there's trouble. There's trouble, and clearly he's not happy with the mm-hmm. direction that that franchise is going in right now. So you got that. San Francisco, I, I mean, yeah. You assume they're going to be back, right? right. You, assume you assume they're going to be dominant it, right? again. But, you know, we've we've also seen enough uh, apparent interest that the, the 49ers have in other quarterbacks not named Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. What, what, what kind of message are you sending if you do end up running it back with Jimmy G next year? Correct. So... Maybe there are a lot more question marks in that division than, than we would uh, would have certainly thought at the beginning of this past season. Maybe the NFC West is is ripe for the taking. You know, it'll be it'll be really interesting that you know, we talk about Seattle and and Russell Wilson. You know, comes out and says, "Man, I I want to finish my career here. I want to da da da." But then the agent releases, "Here's four teams I would waive my no trade con <laughs> my no trade clause to go to the Raiders, the Saints." The uh, what was it? Chicago and uh, there was one other team. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Raiders, Saints, Saints Chicago, Chicago, and uh, Dallas, and Dallas. Yeah, yeah. So here's the other teams that I would waive a no con, a no trade con, a clause in my contract if uh, if it became. It just it just feels it just feels dirty. Almost seems though like that, that Russell's trying to walk that back a little bit. Like the most recent stuff is you know he doesn't expect to be traded. Doesn't want to be traded, right? But if he were to be traded, here are the four teams I'm interested in. I, I think, I think there's almost a sense that that is a bad look, and he, I, I get the sense that he's trying to walk it I've, back. A I've little never bit. felt, I've never felt that that was Russell speaking. I always felt that that was his representation speaking and saying, "Hey, man, we need to, we need to push a little bit." Well, he signed off on it though. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he basically, but I've never felt like he was even when he was saying it. I didn't feel like he was comfortable saying it, right? right. And so, it just is really it's a really interesting dynamic in Seattle right now. Um, I don't think he's going anywhere. But you're right. You're, you're right. There are some. There's you know, there's a little bit of trouble there. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll work themselves through it. But there's a little bit of trouble there. The Rams. I feel like the Rams got better with that with the quarterback situation. I, I will say this about the Rams. They are pushing all the chips to the middle, right? They're just basically saying, hey, man, we're a Super Bowl. We've got a Super Bowl window here. We've got arguably the best DB in football in Ramsey. We've got the best D lineman, maybe the best player in football in Aaron Donald. We've got a young running back. We've got a couple of wide receivers that are really – they're maybe not the elite-level, top-level wide receivers, but they're great football players. I Cooper Cup is a great football player. Robert Woods is a great football player. So they know kind of what they are right now, and they're saying, man, we're just a competent quarterback that can make that, that can make the, the high-ceiling crunch plays. And Matthew Stafford certainly has that in spades. So. But you better be right because what you've done as a franchise – you got a lot of high-paid guys. Mm-hmm. You have very few draft picks coming up over the next couple of years. I mean, this is you, you, you've you decided to load up on the credit card to have a really good time right now. Yeah, you better have a really good time because at some point those those credit cards are going to have to be paid off, and then and then where you're left. But then that goes back to what you were saying before that you know sometimes general managers like you talk about time look at it and say, hey, you, you know, I I can't worry about. 
where this franchise is going to be five years from now. Right. I, I won't be here unless we win right now. That'll be somebody else's problem. So you, you understand how, like you take yeah. here in Denver, you got a new GM in George Payton who got a six-year deal. Now that's a guy that if he chooses to can take a long view right now. Right. He's not, there's no crunch for which, him to win right away. Right. Which, which for him makes perfect sense. And he'd probably be wise to do it. Because all you have to basically say, you don't have to say anything, but, you know, the old adage, your actions speak louder than your words. If his actions are, hey, hold off, let's go get ourselves a, you know, a veteran Fitzpatrick or Andy Dalton, let's keep grooming Drew Locke, and let's build the roster over the next couple of years. You know, I mean, what he's telling you is, hey, this whole process of the last five or six years of, Hey, we're just retooling, and we're ready to roll, and we're ready to compete. He's saying, no, you weren't. You, you weren't good enough, right? Whereas general managers who have made those bold moves are right now going, like you said, I don't care. Hey, five years from now, we'll figure it out. But if we're not if we're not winning a championship, five years from now doesn't matter because I, I won't be here. here. It will be somebody else's issue. Which, yeah. which is kind of reckless when you think about it, isn't it? The fact that one GM – or one coach can have such selfish motives mm-hmm. that they could potentially really hamstring a franchise moving down the road. Right. And 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 they're not held responsible for it because they're no longer there. Right. And, and it's somebody else's problem to inherit, and you as a fan are like, well, damn. <laughs> I mean, you know, this guy tried to save his skin. Right. Didn't work out, and now look at where we're at. And by the way, this is something that I preach all the time that nobody wants to hear. It's why continuity is important. It's why organizational philosophy is important. It's why having everybody on the same page is important. The teams that I talk to, and I have the advantage, you know, of of having a national platform to, you know, to call games and do those things for Fox, but to really pick the brains of GMs and head coaches and guys that I have become, you know, friends with. And and to really understand, like, to me, the teams that really excel are the, yeah, you got to have great, you got to have great players. Don't, I mean, make no bones about it. You got to have great players. You got to have great quarterback play. You got to have all those things. But the teams that really excel, Mike, are really the teams that have continuity between coaching staffs and front offices that understand the philosophy of what we're trying to build. And it's funny, when you talk to those teams, they'll tell you, like, here are the parameters of a corner. Here are the parameters of an outside corner. Here's the parameters of an inside corner. We have to check these six boxes. Otherwise, we don't draft the guy. Otherwise, we don't go after the guy in free agency. Here's what I need out of safeties. You know, both the both the, the free and the strong, which have become interchangeable in today's game. There used to be, in my day, there was one free safety, and there was a strong safety. And the strong safety would come down. The strong safety couldn't covering people wasn't a prerequisite to play strong safety. You had to come down the run game and absolutely shorten people's necks, right? You had to be, uh, what was a kid in Dallas forever that was a big-time strong guy, you know, strong safety. Uh, it wasn't Roy Williams, was it? No, Woodson? That was, 
Well, Woodson was more. Woodson played a lot of nickel. He was a right. safety that played a lot of nickel and slot corner cover guy. Um, but what are we going back to the days of Bill Bates? <laughs> no, no, but I mean, if you look days. at you know you look at the Super Bowl days of Mike Wagner and Donnie Torpedo Shell. You know, right, I mean, right, you, right. you had one guy that was a free. Yep. And then one guy that was even Seattle in the Legion yeah. of Boom. You yeah. had Earl Thomas, and then you had Cam Chancellor yeah. coming down and just robbing, you know, crossing it routes. It was a free to, safety and a strong safety. Right. I mean, Le- legit. Yeah. I mean, even you know, be, even back in my days here in Denver, you had you know Chick or you had whoever in the backfield, and then you had Steve Atwater coming down and just trying to kill Christian Aquay. Right. I mean, right. that was the way. That was the way it worked. And now those guys are interchangeable. You know, you got to be able to play the deep center. You got to be able to come down and run support. You got to be able to do all that stuff. Um, and so th- th- there's there's a difference. But the point being is that I have to know exactly what do we want in a middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. Well, we want the guy to be smart. We want the guy to understand coverages. We want the guy to understand routes and route combinations. And you know, we want the guy to be kind of Luke Keekley type, right? Mm-hmm. Guy that can totally diagnose what you're doing, call it out, let everybody know what where to be, where to go, and then. You know, as soon as the ball snapped, hell bent for election to get somewhere, right? right? And, you know, and, and you see that in the middle linebacker position. Now, the middle linebacker has changed. It's no longer, hey, we need a thumper in there. We need a guy that can that can defend the run. But more importantly, we need a guy that can get, you know, extend zones, cheat the zones, right? So my hook defender, all right, my hook defender's got to drop. Like a hook defender is going to drop, uh, you know, 10 to 12 yards, Right outside the hash, like if you're in the middle of the field, just outside the hash, two yards outside the hash. Well, how much can you extend that? Right. Like if I've got a guy that's really fast, that really triggers well, that really meets my parameters, can he get that from 10 yards to 14 yards, you know, to 15 yards, to take away that dig underneath, right? To take away that curl underneath. And yet, can he expand that from two yards outside the hash to now all of a sudden he's 14 yards deep and he's four yards outside the hash. It really takes that throw away, right. but still can trigger on the shallow cross and hit the guy for a two-yard gain. That's what I need. How many teams do you think have that kind of synergy that you're talking about? How many, 32 teams in the league. How many teams do you think have that coaching staff, front office, we have a real good focus real good yes on what we're looking for yeah 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 are we yeah. talking that five teams eight 10 15 I, I think it's i think it's the teams that have legitimate aspirations like super bowl aspirations so less than 10 so yeah you know 10 somewhere between 10 and 12 teams that that, that really cook-cook. you know that really have have had that like the pete carroll and um excuse me like the pete carroll seattle seahawks yep. right Belichick, Tomlin, you know those teams that have that, that have that have done it for a long right. time, um, you know, and that and that really understand, like and, and like the Saints, right, 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 with Mickey Loomis right. and with Sean Payton, and they really know what they want. Would it be as Would it be as obvious that if we we all had a chance as fans to be let's say be a fly on the wall and and be able to look in on a team's um, preparations right now for free agency in the draft. Do you think it would be as obvious as those teams that you're talking about? You'd look at their draft board and their free agent board, and there'd be a lot less names on it than those teams that are trying to still figure it all out. Would it, would it be as simple as that? Because they, to your point, right. they would know specifically what they're looking for, so it would be easier for them to lop off names. 
and remove names and really be able to start to get a, 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 a good tunnel focus on what they're looking for. Well, I, I, don't, I don't even know. I don't even know. You know, there's only X number of names that are out there, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to have you've got to research all the names. And, you know, not all the time are you going to get are you going to get a player at the position that you that you want or whatever the guys are going to be gone that you want, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think ultimately, ultimately, it is the communication in the synergy and the understanding that um, that we're we're on the same page, like we're looking for the same thing. Like, um, what's the uh, GM? Gosh, he's escaping me. Is it John Schneider in in Seattle? Right. So I'm having a conversation with John, and he's like, "Listen, man, I don't know the X's. I'm not. I'm not here to you go X and O's with Pete. Pete knows what he wants. Like Pete once told me, "Hey, man, just understand. I know what I'm looking for at corner, and sometimes they don't match the." overall speed that that people are looking right Mm -hmm. it's not it's not just about 40 times i'm no i know what kind of body type i want what kind of play i want what kind of hands i want i want you know he just looks at it a little bit differently but basically he and schneider on the same page of what i'm looking i know what pete wants i know what he's looking for so we're on the same page on that stuff right and i i just think that the great organizations have this working relationship now they may they may disagree on the player but they don't disagree on the parameters okay you know what i mean okay. they, they may one guy may think hey this guy is is a better overall player and the other guy may think well i think this guy is a hair better right right so they may disagree on which one is better but both of those guys fit exactly what they're looking for right right you know what i mean right it's not like it's not like one guy saying well i like um you know i like I like, you know, I like uh, Josh Allen at the quarterback, mm-hmm. and the other guy going, "Well, I like Josh Rosen." Right. They're both named Josh, right? right? And they right. both play quarterback, right? But but both of them are completely different from a parameter standpoint. So I've, I've, you know, as we're looking ahead to free agency and the draft, okay, I've long held this view: free agency to me is is always. Real, I'm I'm always I have a lot of trepidation about free agency because there's got to be a reason why the team that knows this guy the best is willing to let him go. Right. That that's always made me nervous. Okay. That's always been my thirty-eight thousand foot view of free mm-hmm. agency. Yeah. My thirty-eight thousand foot view of the draft has been, you know, this this thing is really a crapshoot. Okay. It really uh-huh. is. It, it it it's a. Uh, it's not an exact science. Correct. All right. So how then am I right about that? How do the how do the better teams? If I'm right about that, how do the better teams find a way to excel in free agency, where there are there's got to be a mm-hmm. reason that guy's out there in the first place, and how do they excel in in the draft, where it does tend to be kind of a crapshoot? Well, I think I think free agency, the, the good teams aren't looking to free agency to like when I hear, hey guys, you know, a guy's going to come in here and give us the leadership. Well then you're a shitty team. Right? You're going you're if you're going and giving me, well, we need better leadership at this position so this guy is like when you hit free agency, 
there's a reason guys become free agents. I always say there most guys have, you know, the flaw of a drugstore diamond. And the issue is either attitude, injury history, whatever the case may be. I look at free agency as not a way to get healthy. It's a way to it's a way to fill a roster deficiency with a guy that's a proven player at that position. But it's not it's not a guy to get you over the top. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Like like when I hear, oh, we're just a free agent away, most of the time what you're paying for in free agency is you're paying premium dollars for declining players. Right. You're, you're paying for reputation. You're paying for what they right. used to be. What they used to be. And you're hoping that you catch lightning in right. a bottle. And so I think I just think the teams that really do well with free agency are the teams that are getting free agents to fill a role. Mm. And it may be a diminished role. Um, it may be, you know, it may be a, a, a role where it's not like a premium, like, oh, this guy has to come in and, and be our savior. And I think the bad teams look at free agency as – Hey, let's go make a splash in free agency, right? Yeah. Let's go spend. Hey, we got money to spend. Let's yeah, spend let's go it, right? spend yeah. it and let's get our fan base excited yeah. about players that at one time were household names that are declining. I just, I just don't think ultimately, and any team you talk to will tell you, you build your roster through the draft. Right. That's where it's got to be. But, but here's the difference about about the draft. And like we can just end it here. But the problem with the draft, Mike, is that. There's a difference between drafting starters and drafting Pro Bowl caliber players, right? You can draft a bunch of starters. Like the draft, you can look at a draft and go, wow, look at all these starters these guys drafted. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty good draft. And then if you if you dig deeper into it, you're like, well, wait a minute. None of these guys are premium players. right? So even, even average draft picks – end up starting on below-average rosters, right? So you've got to draft you got to draft star – you guys get that, that can become stars, yeah. right? And at least probably, what, five, six? I, to me, in any given draft, you've got – Not to, one draft, but over, you know, in right. order to build the core of your right, exactly. championship team. If, if you look at – if you look at, like, teams that have really done – like. The Cleveland Browns, you know, and well, Tampa, like, Tampa, right? Like their, their whole secondary, like they're all second rounders. Their mm-hmm. whole secondary, uh, you know, Winfield Junior is a second rounder, and you look at Jam- Jamel Dean, and you look at uh, uh, Murphy Bunting. I think was a second rounder, and then you know, and and then you've got a guy like Devin White who was mentored, you know. He was he was mentored by Levante David, and he's become a superstar, you know. And so I just think you've got to look at you got to you've got to find difference makers in the draft, not just starters. Hey, you got to find a couple of starters, no question. Um, you know, if any given draft you find you you find, let's say you find th- four starters and two really good backups. Well, two of those stars got to be star. Like they got to mm-hmm. be like your first and second rounders have got to develop into like more than just starters, like big time players. So what we're saying is, here's what I'm hearing: is that we all agree it's an it's an inexact science, 
but there is a science to it. Right. Yeah. You got to take it from, hey, it's a 50-50 crapshoot to, hey, we're 70-30 we're organization, right? right? Exactly. That's exactly. what you got. That, yeah. Because some guys, some guys are going to get drafted, and Mike, regardless of how good they were in college, they're going to be overwhelmed. Yep. They're either physically going to be overwhelmed or mentally they're going to be overwhelmed. It, that, that's going to happen. It's just the way it is. Well, it, it's get ready because free agency's coming. It's going to be wild. It always it is. is. It is. It's going to be fun. Exciting. All right, for everybody involved with the Stinky Truth Podcast, I'm Mark Schler, along with Mike Evans, Scott the Hub, producing the show. I want to thank the great folks uh, over at Superbook, America's Best Bet. Check it out at Superbook and also uh, Monarch Meds. Use the code STINK to get 20% off Monarch Meds for all your CBD needs. Till next week, we'll talk to you later.